Welcome back to Mugen Cast. This week it's episode 35. Dimitri Williams, your host with the most back for another round of fun-filled creative discussion. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to keep up my promise um, and keep the podcast going on a weekly basis, but I'm here better late than never. I think the last podcast was December the 3rd, and now I'm back on December the 19th. So two week, oh, over a two-week hiatus, but one day I'll, I'll have a consistent schedule. Um, but on this week's episode, like last week's episode, um, I'm going to be doing a discussion on something a little bit different. And this is time it's going to be a book review, actually. And I've never done that on this podcast, um, surprisingly, because I actually like reading. But anyway, I'm going to be reading uh, or I'm going to be telling you about the book, uh, the book I'm reading, which is Maximize Your Potential, Grow Your Expertise, Take Bold Risks, and build an incredible career. Um, a book I got from another podcast, the, uh, the Collective Podcast, which is also on iTunes. If you want to give it a listen, um, it was a recommendation of of, of theirs, um, and I've been reading it for the past few weeks. It's really, really good. There's some points I want to go over, and I think would overlap well with things I've already talked about, and some messages I haven't even discussed myself that I think could be really helpful to you guys out there. Um, of course, I'm going to give you my recap of what's been going on over the past two weeks, um, but that book is going to be the main topic and centerpiece of this week's episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So over the past week or over the past two weeks, what have I been doing? I'm working same old, same old that I was doing before. Um, but also with that, I've been trying to sprinkle in a little bit of create a little bit of creative stuff um, along the way as well. I'm still trying to plan out the whole website redesign and rebrand thing I'm trying to do, but it's difficult to to really find the time for it, to be honest with you guys. I mean, coming home at like 10 ish or 10 30 and and having to to almost start like a new job it's it's kind of tough but i when this book has actually actually helped me get a little bit more in tuned in with my work and what i mean by that is not really having that mental block like i was talking about um in in prolific a few weeks ago of that stressing about it and and dreading it and thinking about how bad it's going to be and that being the main thing that you the main thing that stops you from even doing it um, like almost that like paralysis from thinking about it too much. I've been getting over that in the past two weeks, which is good. I'm slowly moving forward and trying to gain some normalcy. I think this past these past like m- few months have been really crazy. I've, I've been like completely thrown out of my um, my mojo <laughs> almost. So it's it's really hard to, to get back into it. And also th- something I've realized I came up with a, this blog post um, a little while ago um, on forevermoving.com. It's called Creativity Gone Cold. I'm not sure if you guys um, read it or not, but if you did, you'll see how I was discussing how the weather can affect one's creativity. And I think I'm really in that phase right now because with it being this freezing cold outside, I do not want to go outside and take pictures and do interesting things or anything, honestly. But there's obviously ways to work around that, and that's not really an excuse. But that's that's kind of been something I've uh, been grappling with. Um, and then other than that, in my free time, really, I have been reading this book and some and uh, a few others. Um, and tr- I read very slowly, by the way. So I'm trying to get through it as fast as I can. I actually recommend this book um, to my girlfriend and she's already finished it. And I was like, how did how did you even do that when I started it before? 
Um, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. And like I did last week, um, and I think the week before that, I really don't have any bullet points like written out of things I want to discuss for sure. And like things I, I must say, I just have a few, um, I guess main points that, that really struck a chord with me. And I think are, are just things we need to keep in mind as digital creative people. Um, or I mean, creative people in general, honestly, the, the digital, um, tag that doesn't necessarily change what you need to do and it doesn't change the relevancy of these tips so let's just get hop let's just hop right into it get right started um with the first tip so asking for help was a big i think was it, it got its own chapter in the book actually um and it's funny because I've talked about this in the past of something that I as something that I struggled with um, deeply for or for a while and still do. Um, but it was not necessarily asking. But I think the point that I missed with this in the past is that it's asking for help with the. With the what's the word I'm looking for? Almost with the promise that the other person will be gaining something from your from you asking them for something it's almost like a give and take type of deal which i've never really thought about it like that before of when you're uh, stuck say if you're stuck in a project um or just a bad situation in general that you need someone else's expertise or advice or help to get out of you're also giving them something as well by asking them to help you and i never really thought about it that way um strangely enough but from what this book was kind of alluding to what they're gaining is the the knowledge and and the i guess you could say almost the <laughs> the good the goodwill and the good vibe from actually helping someone out with the knowledge and expertise they've cultivated themselves um because i mean what's really the point of knowing and learning all this type of stuff uh, creatively or non-creatively if you can't even share it with someone else and help them grow it's almost the point to be honest i mean it's it's, it's what i kind of try to do on my page and my whole social media thing. And I think a lot of people take that approach as well. So it's, it's definitely worthwhile to do it, not just for yourself, but also so the person you're asking for help can, uh, I guess, pay it forward in a way. Um, and I thought that was a really cool take to, to break down some of the, I guess you can say some of the anxiety that's um, kind of around asking people for assistance and, and, the pridefulness that goes along with that. I think I have a ton of that myself that is detrimental <laughs> at times. Um, so that was really one really interesting point. And throughout the book, um, if you guys do end up reading it, it's like 99 cents on Amazon. So there's really no reason why you shouldn't read it. But um, as you read, you'll realize that it does that a lot where it takes the, it takes the normally conceived thought of the creative and looks at it and dissects it from different angles and perspectives. Um, so it's going to give you your perspective, um, you know, as you sitting in your own bubble, not knowing the the thoughts and opinions of others, then it's going to give you the thoughts and opinions of others, give you their perspective as well. It's going to give you the whole, the, like the, the creative collective, I could, I guess you could say, and how you fit into that and how that shapes what you do is what well. it's really interesting. Um, each chapter that, that tackles a, a different, um, a different aspect of this like creative journey, it gives you all those 
perspectives and all those viewpoints. Um, and it's a very collaborative book as well because it's actually written with the thoughts and research of a bunch of different people. So one book might be this doctor, another, or not one book, one chapter might be this doctor, another chapter might be this photographer, another chapter might be this filmmaker, another chapter might be this psychologist, and all the collective information and studies that they've done to come to these universally applicable conclusions. And it's really, really interesting. So you're getting not only just the uh, I guess just the emotional feeling side of things. You're also getting the scientific, you know, neurological studies that back that up, which is really interesting. And it's an intersection between, um, I guess you could say it's an intersection between theory as well as practice and that the people who are actually on the ground creating are agreeing with the people who have been in the lab studying from a distance. Um, and it's really cool to see those two things come together and overlap um but asking for help is the first um the first one that kind of really hit me um, I can't remember exactly what page or, uh, what section or, or what section of the book that that was actually in, but it's, it's some of these messages also stretch throughout the entire book. So keep that in mind as well. Um, gathering feedback was a, a cool one. And this one, another one I haven't really thought about, um, for, for myself. And it was, it was basically examining the different routes to gaining information, um, about your work and gaining non-biased realistic um and helpful information helpful feedback about your your work um so i always use the example if you're a photographer um let's say and you're aspiring to be a really good wedding photographer the feedback that you're gathering shouldn't just come from the clients that you work for um because they're gonna either give you yeah, well, say you're a decent photographer. They're going to give you their opinions of that. Okay, I enjoyed the picture you took for me in this instance. I don't really see it from a perspective of what you could be doing to advance yourself um, and how you could get clients higher than me and higher than those clients and so on and so forth. Um, they're kind of trapped in their own um, their their own opinions in a way. Uh, your, your clients aren't always going to be looking outside of themselves to see what would help you as an artist. Um, it's up to you to be able to find a benchmark to compare yourself to or benchmarks, plural, to compare yourself to um, and figure out where you are on that hierarchy and how you can get to those next levels. And honestly, which really was interesting with me, it was how the book gave you suggestions to um, and I, I can't remember the individual, the individual's name who actually was um writing this chapter but he was someone who competed in like a memory competition um or some type of like like thought competition so it was very his advice was very useful to people who don't have anyone to use as a sounding board because he didn't for what he was training for and he had to use himself uh, maybe one other person that he actually trusted to see where he was gain feedback and get better along in his process um which was really, really interesting. And as creative sometimes, I think it's, it can somewhat be, it can be somewhat of a lonely pursuit. 
Uh, and that's actually another thing I'm going to get into, but it can be somewhat of a, a lonely pursuit. And oftentimes you aren't advancing when it's a lonely pursuit because you don't know how to how to grow without, you know, the thoughts and opinions of others. And the book actually details how you can grow um, the different measures and the different um, things you can do for yourself to track advancement and and really break things down to a point where you can learn x y and z needs to be fixed this is how i can fix x y and z and when i fix x y and z then i can do a b and c you know it's it's really cool um so that's a an interesting tip um habits that was this is probably top five in terms of um in terms of one that i found the ones that i found really directly applicable to myself um, and the main points I wrote down a few here were work on one at a time and to make the effort and to make the change, the, the habits you're trying to change, um, very purposeful. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when, um, let's see another example, let's say you're trying to wake up earlier, um, and get more work done before you go to work in the morning. Let's say you go to work at nine 30. Um, so the habit for you is maybe waking up at around eight, Uh, getting a shower, getting something to eat, getting on the road and going to work. Um, And to change that habit, you would have to say, wake up at seven, you get an hour of extra work in every day. To change that habit, you don't necessarily want to change the habit of waking up early and getting a lot of work done and going to the gym for an hour and a half a day and hanging out with this friend more often. It's it's been more beneficial to change one habit at a time than to focus on three. So the interesting example the book uh, brings up was. So the first, say, 30 days, so usually you separate these habits into months as well. So the first 30 days you focus on just waking up at seven, um, not necessarily even the working aspect. If you can get that in as well cool but you don't have to so you just focus on waking up at seven at first then month two you focus on fitting the work that you want to get done into that hour that extra hour and really maximizing it then then month three then you focus on um going to the gym more often then month four you focus and you see where i'm going and so on and so forth and this way as you're looking over the course of a year you might have only changed 12 habits but you've changed those 12 habits in such a meaningful way that they're not going to regress and that you're not overwhelming yourself trying to do four different things at once. And I think that's the trap I've got caught in. I've got caught into myself um, and that a lot, of, a lot of other people get caught into as well. And I think it's because you have to prioritize certain things um, and you have to prioritize other habits, uh, certain habits over other ones. But I feel like the net, and this is the point the book made, was that the net increase in your happiness and the net increase in your productivity over the course of a year is way better if you're not focusing on 12 things at the same time and you separate those 12 things into each month, um, which is really cool. And and I think, I think this one really struck a chord with me because it, it takes one of the problems that I've struggled so much with and breaks it down in a logical way. And this is what I was talking about with the intersection of theory and practice. And it breaks it down in such a logical way and in a, a scientifically backed way that it's very easy for me to just take that idea and just put it into practice. And the book is very practical in that way. It's not things that you look at and say, there's no way this could actually work for me. You could easily say, okay, I can actually do that. I can start that today. I can start that tomorrow. 
um, which is all the better because we don't want to feel like these things are so beyond us, right? You want to feel like change is easily graspable and these things are realistic and you can be that person that this book is um, advising you to to be, right? Um, and then also to to build on top of that, when it comes to building building the habit, the the innate senses that we tap into are more powerful than the willpower that we continuously have to muster. And what I mean by that is, uh, and I've heard this idea before, that willpower is limited. You only have so much kind of raw, so much kind of, I guess, raw emotion and um, inclination to do things. So if going to the gym is a struggle every day, it's like you're spending expending that limited amount of willpower on getting yourself out of bed getting changed and going to the gym every day and then when you come back and you have to also expend willpower on say working on a project or getting a um, finishing a book it eventually becomes such drudgery that you aren't progressing forward in a in a sustainable way but what you need to tap into is the power of habits and how easily they can form so if you're using that month-to-month um, strategy that I was just discussing, then now when you overcome one hurdle, you are also you are also gaining a sense of normalcy with the things you're doing, and they take up less and less willpower because they're just innate. You just wake up at seven in the morning and just go to the gym. It's like your new cup of coffee, basically. And we being creatures of habit, if you can get yourself into a habit of doing something that is good for you, and it doesn't seem like any extra work and you're not using that extra willpower, that's just, that's that much more willpower saved up to go towards something else and to make an impact in something else. Because maybe something random is going to happen in your day and something unforeseen is going to happen in your day and it's going to take up a lot of that willpower, but it doesn't necessarily mean now that you've created other positive habits that those habits are going to get kicked to the side because you're just doing them innately. It's no extra burden on you. And that was a really interesting point of taking, I guess, taking a, a, a like a, a physiological, uh, an aspect of our physiological and neurological makeup in that we are creatures of habit and making it work for you, making those innate human reactions and senses work for you and work to your benefit. Um, it's almost like you're reprogramming yourself like a robot or something. It's, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, kind of rolls into that uh the sweet spot of focus and where you find the most productivity when it comes to focusing um and this is found in deliberate purposeful training and also um ample restoration so what was interesting with this point was that focusing on one task for x amount of time is difficult (laughs) at least for me i find it difficult um, but once again, it's, it's broken down in this, in this book in a way that is much more palatable and, uh, and it's more realistic to be done. And the idea was that 
you don't necessarily focus on something. So say you have a project to get done. Um, you want to edit 50 pictures for a client. You don't necessarily spend three hours at your computer editing the, well, I'm not sure if you spend three hours editing 50 pictures, but X amount of pictures that would take 50 hours. You don't, you don't spend that entire three, um, or X amount of pictures that would take three hours. You don't spend that, um, you don't spend that full amount of time just doing it straight out because you're not maximizing the focus that you could possibly have. And as you're, as, let's say it's like a, a scale and you start at a hundred, the further and further that you go into the project and the more fatigue you get, you're low, you're lowering your productivity level or your, I guess you could say your ability level, because you, when you start out, you're at your peak, you're sharp. Um, you are recognizing when you need to do color correction and you need to change something around. But when it's hour two, three, four, you're starting to let things slide. You're getting lazy and you're just not picking up on things as much as you would and not having that acute sense to things that you would if you were fresh. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, how do you restart that hundred that that hundred uh, um, that hundred percent impact level, productivity level, whatever I said? Um, on a continuous basis, if you have to do multiple projects throughout the day or a long project, how do you make sure that you're not dropping below, say, a 90 percent or a 85 percent in terms of um, how good you are, at what you're doing, and how focused you are? And what the recommendation is that I found really interesting is to break it up into chunks, similar to how you did with the habits. That's why I said these two have um, a bit of a similarity. So with the habits, you're forming consistency over time. With focus, you're breaking it up into or you're forming consistency over time by breaking it up into more manageable bite-sized chunks. And that in that sphere, we used a month as the um, the time, uh, the, the time limit, I guess you could say. But when it comes to focusing for extended periods of time, um, or focusing on projects for extended periods of time, you don't do it flat out. You break it up into say one hour, one and one and a half hours of work and you rest. Then you take your mind off completely. And what was interesting was the, how serious the book took restoration and relaxation. I feel like those two things are overlooked, but it's not even you and this is something I need to do. I'm not sure if maybe you guys are in the same boat, but you kind of have to get it out of your mind that resting and restoring yourself and your body is like is cheating in a way or is um, some some type of admittance of being less than you have to you have to take it as something that's necessary and something that's just as important as actually throwing yourself into the work 100%. Because if you're not resting yourself and you're not restoring, then technically you're you're sabotaging your productivity to begin with. Um, and thinking about it from that perspective, why would you ever want to do anything that would make you less productive? Uh, you think resting is bad because you're not actually growing, producing, curating in that moment. But the the loss when you don't rest and the the inefficiency that you're going to suffer is just as bad, if not worse, actually, which is a very, very interesting point. Um, this book, as I'm reading through these points, I'm like, man, I, I want to reread this book because it's just, it's so good. It is, it is so good. Like I said, it's only 99 cents on Amazon and I can't like recommend it enough. Um, but moving on to the next point, Progress, not perfection, and being good versus being better. So I think I've talked about this one before or my own kind of take on this, which is 
it's not necessarily about kind of being the best ever at what you're doing. It's more being the best you can be and noticing progression in your um, in your path and in your craft, because it's not really because if you think about it, the only person you really are competing with or should be competing with is yourself. So if you're really looking at your own progression as what's keeping you going, then it's all the all the auxiliary like extra stuff outside you becomes so much less it matters so much less which is a good thing because i feel like as a creator you should be focusing on your creation and you honing your skills and your craft because if we're taking it all the way if we're taking it all the way back to i don't know michelangelo and da vinci and famous artists like that you must think that obviously there were other painters who were in their same sphere of talent right but it was their in my opinion and in the book's opinion it was their tunnel vision focus on their own progression and them getting better as their uh, as artists themselves that eventually took them over um into that into that like legendary status i doubt it was gained via okay look at him over there doing that now i need to do that of course competitive instincts are useful at some level but you also get to that point where you're becoming obsessed with other people's work and you're not looking at your own progression and the good things that you're doing within yourself, which can make you feel insecure um, and make you feel a little bit less than the individual that you're looking at or looking up to. Um, and frankly, probably just being jealous of if you're anything like me, because that's how I feel sometimes. Um, um, but the being good versus being better kind of uh, aspect of that is something I've actually not talked about myself and I kind of want to get into that a little bit um, and what that's really focused on is the fact that it's you kind of reach this plateau and it, the book calls it the okay plateau when you're good enough at what you're doing um, that you're satisfied but yeah you're satisfied basically you're satisfied where your skill set is and you sometimes lose the inclination to go further than that and go beyond and find um that next level especially when you've already put work in um you feel like you've put a decent amount of work in and you feel like okay where i am right now is decent um i'm respected at my current level i'm competent i can get work i can um, get praise for my my acts you know how do you push past that barrier and it's really it's really a matter of if you're truly dedicated to progression within your craft and you're not just doing it to be okay. Um, and I think that's kind of the level I'm reaching now with photography where I'm, I'm decent, you know, I can get done a photo shoot fairly competently. I can produce pictures that I'm happy with. I can edit pictures that I'm happy with and, and create things that I enjoy. But then you also get to the point where you you think about what's beyond that. Why do I even want to chase what's beyond that? Am I that am I that committed to what I'm doing to go beyond that? Um, and pushing through to that is what really takes you to that next level of being an artist and being a creator that um, those people who stop at the OK plateau will never see. Um, so it, it's really interesting. It's like a crossroads that creatives um meet and it's like you have to pass it in your own way it's different for each person um which is which is pretty cool in a way
So coming down to the last few here, uh, one really interesting acronym I took away from this book and what I've read so far, because I'm only about maybe I shouldn't say only I'm about three fourths um, the way done the book, but it is ISO and it's intersections between interest skills and opportunities. Um, it's funny because ISO was actually like a business framework I learned in college, but this is like the complete opposite. Um, but the intersection between interests, skills and opportunities. And basically what this is talking about is when you can find intersections between those three, um, like I guess you could say categories or aspects, you that's where you find the things that actually matter to you and the things that you can do um, without really feeling like you're working or feeling like the work is drudgery. Um, cause if you think about it, you, and this was actually, this was a smaller point within a bigger chapter that focuses, um, or, or that, that focuses on, um, oh wow. Now I'm blanking on it. It focuses on, um, passion versus craft and, and how you, how you get out of just chasing a passion and more creating and chasing a lifestyle for yourself. Because when you're thinking about your dream job, you're not necessarily, chasing a certain position you might be but that's not necessarily what you actually want what you want are the aspects and characteristics that that job or position or whatever um, provides so if it's you know a lot of vacation time what that really translates into is a lot of freedom to do other things if it's uh, being the boss what that translates into is actually autonomy and being able to control your own schedule and work the way you want to work you know it's it's that you're it's you're taking you know the um the cliches or the commonly thought things that people will be looking for and you're actually looking deeper within them and finding that oh no that's that's the aspect of the job but this is the um, this is the lifestyle that that actually uh, represents. And when you're looking at somewhere where your interest, say if you're interested in photography and you have the skill in photography um, and you have an opportunity to, to go towards, um, say, to work for a, a pretty good creative agency, if you can align those things, you'll find the job you want. But within that, you'll also have to pick out the characteristics that you're truly looking for. Um, and it's a great way to examine what you find valuable, um, what aspects of working really draw you into a job and make you want to stay um, and make you want to continue getting better at it. Because you're not really getting better at the job. You're just getting better at living that lifestyle that you enjoy. If you get what I mean, you're living that uh, autonomous lifestyle where you create your own schedule or living that lifestyle where you have a lot of freedom and you can pursue other things. It's it's a really cool chapter. Um, I need to get like the breakdown and the pages and things for that. And I think I'll post them up in my story probably so you guys can, if, if you're really interested in diving into one of these more than more so than the others, you can just go right there when you get the book yourself. Like I said, 99 cents on Amazon. It sounds like I'm plugging this book, but I'm really, or like I'm, um, uh, I'm sponsored by this book, but I'm really not. I wish I was though. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are the main takeaways I got from the book so far. Um, I'm actually bringing it up on my phone right now to see what page I'm on. And I'm currently on page 192 of 270. I'm reading on the Kindle app. So I guess I'm not sure if that changes the actual page amount, but that says I'm about 73% of the way through the book. So about three fourths, um, like I was saying earlier. So I'm almost done. Um, but I was actually saying this yesterday to my girlfriend that I'm going to probably reread it, um, maybe listen to the audiobook, and really take in these um 
taken this advice to a level more than just reading it on a page. And I want to put it into practice, see how it works with me, um, and see if I benefit from it. So that is that. Great book. Um, I think, I guess you can call this the first um, the first episode of the Mugencast <laughs> Book Review Club. Um, maximize your potential, grow your expertise, take bold risks, and build an incredible career. Um, excellent, excellent read. Uh, and what else do we want to discuss? But this has actually been a pretty long episode. I'm sitting about a half an hour right now. This is, uh, this is new. Um, I guess we can discuss really quick what's coming up in the future. I actually don't know in terms of what I have planned yet. So I don't want actually, yeah, I'm not going to go too, too far into that. Cause I don't have anything, um, any significant updates or anything like that. Um, I'm just going to be trudging forward like usual. Um, and, and trying to find some sense of some sense of like a schedule within, um, the next month or so the new year starting. So I guess I should be coming up with some new year's resolutions. Maybe that'll be the next episode. I, um, maybe some creative new year's resolutions that I have and, and you guys sharing with me as well and, um, discussing that whole thing. But hopefully by January, I can actually get scheduled, get settled back into, creating and what I need to do but and honestly before January why, why wait honestly um another great point that the that the book makes as well anyway uh so that has been Mugencast episode 35 I don't know what I'm going to call this one uh maybe it will just be called Mugencast book, book club or something like that but I appreciate you guys for listening um taking the time out of your day playing this on the train or right before you go to sleep or wherever you're listening to this episode I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you check me on my other platforms at Mugen.ig on Instagram. ForeverMugen.com is the website. Um, and of course here, Mugencast available on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you for listening. Peace. Peace.